0: this is the mg car club podcast on this week's episode the mg magnet of chris lewis and our tribute to james davis the mg car club podcast hello and welcome to the mg car club podcast wayne scott with you on episode 63 recording this in the sunshine summer has re-arrived here in the uk hope you're well wherever you are Uh, i've got a really nice story for you ahead i actually went down to kimber house this week because we were filming with mg india can't tell you too much more than that but it was a great day and we managed to put a couple of the cars in the limelight an mg midget in its 60th anniversary year of course and the mg magnet of chris lewis and uh, i managed after the shoot was finished to grab chris in the corner quiet corner of kimber house and have a chat about his car and there's some uh, lovely stories around it especially when he tells us about the numbers chalked under the bonnet but before of that a reminder of course of the triumph and mg weekend at the three county showground in malvern this is where the mg car club have teamed up with two of the triumph clubs to put on a massive event really just to celebrate the fact that we're all allowed out and that car shows can start again properly. It's happening between the 13th and the 15th of August of course just a month away and the Live Arena has been announced and very excited to announce that myself and Sam Coleman will be presenting the Live Arena. Uh we've done it before at MG Live. I've been at MG Live doing a similar thing. We had fun then we'll have even more fun now. We've got a brilliant lineup of cars planned for you and a schedule i think throughout the saturday and sunday that should just about cover every single mg ever made in one form or another we should get them all into the arena but it relies on you being there and also you bringing your cars into that arena so if you fancy being a part of that and i really hope you do because it'd be great to interview you in front of the live audience there on the moss europe live arena at the Triumph and MG weekend. It would be great to hear your stories and share them with the audience. You can find out more, of course, via the website at triumphandmgweekend.com. Also, a big thanks to Moss Europe, the supplier of parts, for sponsoring the arena this year. They've paid for all the PA equipment. We're all right. We've got everything we need. All we need is the sunshine to complete the deal now. And you, of course, with your tickets. So get them now, triumphandmgweekend.com. It would be great to see as many MGs there as possible also really looking forward to having the mg midgets in the arena for a cake cutting and a spot of bubbly and the mg zeds as well to celebrate both the 60th and the 20th anniversary midget and zeds at the Triumph and mg weekend at the three county showground in malvern get your tickets now just a month to go and check out the moss europe live arena schedule to see how your car fits in and make sure you're there let us share your story with everyone else now, the MG Car Club got some very sad news this week, and that was that one of the club's family had been lost. James Davis raised money and awareness for the Alzheimer's charities through his passion for his late father's MGA. He shared all of this via mgalzheimer's.co.uk. James Davis's father bought his MGA twin cam in 1964 and, over the course of 53 years, enthusiastically drove it on both road and track across the world from the uk to barbados and canada it was an mga that featured in james's life heavily and he always assumed one day that it would be his sadly though it had to be sold into canada during 2016 to fund his dad's alzheimer's health care but years later and after the passing of his father james managed to buy the car back through an incredible twist of fate unfortunately james davis himself lost his life this week and he was a very dear member of the MG Car Club fraternity. To learn more about James Davis and his amazing story, I urge you to go back to episode 42 of the MG Car Club podcast and just take a moment to relive that interview that I recorded with him back in February. He'll be sadly missed in MG circles and more widely as someone who used his passion for MG to change and improve the lives of others james davis who died july 2021 next then to our interview for this week's podcast and we meet chris lewis and his stunning mg magnet it's all next
1: the mg car club podcast the mg car club the mark of friendship to take
0: advantage of our many membership benefits access to our centers and registers and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk. Sharing your passion for MG
1: on the MG Car Club podcast.
0: Well, on this week's MG Car Club podcast, I'm once again in kimber house the home of the mg car club here in abingdon to meet some more of our members some more of the owners of amazing mg's and this one is a real favorite of mine i have to say it's on my bucket list for something to own it is a magnet it's a 1957 magnet and it's beautiful and it's owned by the man who joins me now chris lewis hi chris
1: Hi, how are you? Very
0: well, thanks. Now, we've been here because we've been doing a very top-secret film shoot with your Magnet. It's about time Magnet saw the limelight, isn't
1: it? Uh, it sure is.
0: <laughs> Tell us about your car. You have had this car in your family a very long time. Tell us the story.
1: Yeah, my father bought this in 1976, and it was the first, sorry, the third Magnet that he'd owned. Uh, this one was by far the best one. And I learned to drive... Uh, on a magnet, which was the first one he had um, and I've been driving one ever since.
0: You must have an incredible amount of memories and and life for you has changed and moved along with that car. What have been some of the highlights of owning it over those years?
1: Uh, I think one of the things that really stands out is that the first one he bought was a, a Varitone magnet and I was calling a girl at the time who was a local farmer's daughter And they had a property in Mallorca. And the farmer's car at the time, I think, was an Austin 1800, um, which was giving a bit of trouble just before we were going to supposedly set off for Mallorca. So I asked Dad if I could borrow his car to go to Mallorca. So obviously we drove down through France and Spain to Barcelona, got the ferry over, used it in Mallorca, drove it home. There was four adults, luggage, roof rack and all the lot. Uh, never missed a beat all the way there and back and within six months of coming back father had already bought his second magnet uh, they weren't really of much value along then so we decided we would scrap that one and have it the spares for the second one but to think that that was scrapped after doing a journey like that was quite amazing, really.
0: Yeah, incredible. A different way of looking at the cars then, I suppose. That's
1: right. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I did. Um, although this one was my dad's, uh, I did have a, a Varitone Magnet myself for a few years. Twenty nine AJH was the registration. Bought it from someone that wanted, and I, I used that for a couple of years. And of course, I was only a young lad then, and probably drove it faster than I ought to have done but never let me down, it it was a good car. And just I just always always really liked them.
0: Did he ever explain to you why he had such a fascination with the magnet?
1: It all came about because dad worked at Press Steel and he he worked night shift. And he used to car share with two other chaps um, from the village. And one of the guys he car shared with had a magnet. When they used to get to Press Steel, um, dad, Worked at the farthest point out of the three of them. So, when the guy with the magnet, it was his turn to drive that week. Dad would actually take over the car when they got in the Prestil and drive it to park it up, and then pick it up in the morning and pick the other two up. And at that time, he was driving, I think it was a Ford 700 bike van. Oh, and um, he always said how much he enjoyed driving the magnet just that short distance. Um, he had an argument with the name, his lorry, in the Ford van which got written off. So he went and bought the, the first Magnet and that was how he came into them. That would have been about 1960, 65, 66, something like that. I learned to drive in it in 67 and then he bought a ZA uh, after that. And then this one that we've got now was by far and away the best one and um he bought that in 76. of course Press
0: steel were the manufacturer for so many components body parts and and bits of coach building for so many british cars so really woven into british motor um, heritage at that time wasn't it
1: yeah that's right yeah yeah of course and they did all the body work for Rolls-Royce as well didn't they yeah
0: amazing that this car is still in your family it's in a beautiful black finish Um, it hasn't got the chrome strip that runs all the way along uh, which i think is a a neat little detail on it actually Uh, but it's got that tremendous red leather and inside it looks just as it did back in 1957 when it rolled out of mg how is it to drive on modern roads does it behave itself drums all round does it how does it fit into modern traffic
1: Uh, very well really i mean it'll, it'll keep up with modern traffic if you want to put it on the motorway you can maintain 60, 70 miles an hour if you want to with it. Steering, of course, is very precise. Uh, no, it, it really is a good car. Not the quickest thing off the mark, obviously, compared to modern day cars. But once you get it rolling, it, it's really a pleasure to drive, and, and always have been. Not the quickest thing now, but in 1957, it was pretty sprightly saloon car, really. Yeah, it, yeah, it probably would have been. Yeah, mm. yeah. You'd have probably had to have been looking at sort of um, jags of that period, I suppose, to have had more performance than they had. Yeah, incredible, really, and a much
0: underrated part of MG's history, I think, in many ways. I suppose because a lot of people associate it with its Woolsley tie-in, but although there are very distinct similarities between the Wolseley and the Magnet they're actually when you own one you get to know the fact that there isn't actually many parts in common is there
1: no there isn't I mean I've worked on many uh cars over, over the years and funnily enough the Wolsey 444 I, I've never worked on uh, which seems strange because I've worked on plenty of MGs uh but uh no I, I am aware that there, there weren't many similarities
0: you've got this stunning car it's it and i've had the pleasure of sitting in it today while i've been down here at kimber house and it really is like stepping back in time and being able to experience what owning a car like that in 1957 was like and that's because it has never been restored it is how it was presented in the 50s in its age so brilliantly hasn't it
1: well it's not i mean it it is a fairly original car it did have a pair of new seals put on it um, within a couple of years of my father buying it and a bit of tidying up and it was resprayed but that would have been in about 1970 well I guess at about 77, 78 Um, but it's not a car that's um, done great mileage because I think the mileage now um, in total is about Mm 55,000. The original owner when I got in touch with the family that owned it um, was a an elderly lady when I rang up but it was her father that had bought it in 57 and apparently the speedo played up a few years after and the speedo head um, was replaced so she said the mileage that's on the speedo is since that speedo was fitted but the mileage off the original speedo was chalked under the bonnet and that is still there and visible to this day yeah, and so it does verify you Know the history of it, but it's what I like about its It doesn't appear that it's, it's ever been mucked about with. Um, it's still got its trafficators which work. I've not put winkers on it. The wings have never been drilled to put a wing mirror in. Um, there's no seat belts in it, and I haven't put any in it. Um, it's, it's just a nice original car, really.
0: Yeah, some beautiful period features on it as well, from the brass-topped HS2 SUs under the bonnet to that beautiful exhaust manifold with the MG logo on it. They really did put little details into that car. One that struck me today, actually, looking at the interior of it, was the little clock that's just above the rear view mirror. I'd never actually noticed them before, but it's little details like that give it so much personality, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that was really quite a nice touch that. Um, that doesn't work, incidentally, but <laughs> I've got I've got a spare one at home. I ought to really try and get one to work because that would be good. But no, I always thought that was a nice little touch that because a, a good many people would get in there and not even notice it. Yeah. Very sort of discreet. But um, I knew somebody who. who was sort of a car salesman back in the day and he reckoned that the majority of people that own magnets when they traded them in usually went for a jag because i suppose they wanted something a little bit more roomy mm. uh more performance but of course it still retained the the walnut dash and that um so i could see why they did they would do that
0: easy to see the similarities of the step up to say a mark ii or something like that yeah that's right yeah. yeah
1: yeah but the lines the lines to me are, you, you know you're looking at a car that's got a few years behind it mm-hmm. but the lines are still still good yeah. they're classics all the shape yeah, yeah. absolutely. do you look
0: at it now and see little marks and and, and dings or whatever you want to call them and, and remember the moment that that happened or is there a little story to little things in the car that remind you of, of stories of the past
1: <laughs> um, no I don't think so really too much because my dad when he bought it It was his everyday transport and to and from from work and the like um but obviously was never a car that had done a great mileage i do remember he had friends which was um he'd had right from the war years uh, when he met this chap when they were in malta and they they used to go and visit uh, their friends which lived down at pevensey in sussex and i can remember one one year dad went down there for a few days and when he came back He said, oh, the old car's not running too well, mate. And um, I said, well, why is that then? He said, well, he said, it just just seems as if it's missing a bit. I said, well, when did it start? He said, oh, down before we'd even got the Horsham on the way back. And when we lifted the bonnet, one of the plug leads had fallen off. And he he didn't even bother to stop (laughs) to see if it was something simple. So I just hooked that back on and that was that.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Well, we were talking earlier, weren't we, about the simplicity of the car and, and the fact that you know they are still easy to work on. Parts are relatively easy to find. Bodywork is is tricky, I guess. Um, but if someone is looking for a magnet or has been wooed by them as I've been, what advice could you give someone looking to buy one from your so many years of ownership?
1: Well, I think the the main thing is if you're if you're looking for one is to. Try and really buy the best you can, I suppose. If you buy a restoration project, you could be landing yourself with maybe more you can tackle, depending on whether you've got the wherewithal to do welding and that yourself. Because if you've got a farm and things like that out, that's going to cost you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, mechanic. I mean, I think they're fairly simple to work on, straightforward, and you can get get bits for them, Mm -hmm. Um, and I've always enjoyed working on them as well, but yeah, I would say that, um, you know, rust is the biggest issue with any car, I suppose, of that age, but if you you could get a good one, um, you know, don't hesitate, get it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, I think, (laughs) to see yours today. Uh, They are lovely cars. It's been nice to put it in the limelight today as well. And I think testament as well to the fact that it is usable, despite drums all round and and its very 1957 features, that you've actually taken it abroad and had really long journeys in it as well since, haven't you?
1: I've been over to Belgium on one of the uh, Battlefield tours tours, two or three years ago, and it behaved beautifully and as i say on the motorway you can do 70 mile an hour and in fact with the amount of traffic we've got on the motorways nowadays you're lucky if you can get to <laughs> 70 miles an hour so there's no problem with keeping up with traffic today
0: what work have you done um you mentioned it had new sills in its time as well and uh, we were looking at the fact that the, the dashboard is. um has had some uh, restoration work on it. Apart from that, what have you had to do to it to keep it in the fine fettle it is in now?
1: Well, of course, the secret to that is it's a car that's not been used enough, really, to be perfectly honest. As I say, it was my dad's everyday transport, but, I mean, I've got other vehicles as well, so it's never been used as much as it probably ought to have been. Um, the, the interior is... I think is pretty original with the exception that I did give the dashboard top a coat of varnish two or three years ago and I may well take the rest of the wood out and do that because obviously the the original is, is flaking off but the the seats and the carpets are still original yeah. obviously the carpet on the driver's side's looking a little bit worse for wear but you you would expect that. But um, no, it's just got. There's just something about it. I mean, it's to me, it's like wearing a comfortable old pair of slippers. You just get back into it. And it just takes me back to when I learned to drive when I was 17 or 18. And I get just as much enjoyment of it today as I ever have done.
0: I guess it makes you feel nice
1: and young driving it as well. (laughs) Yeah, and of course, not only that, and particularly today with what we've been doing today, I've I've obviously thought of my father and think, well, I wonder what he would have thought of this, you know, that somebody coming over from India and wants to do a bit of a a, a shoot on, and his car was invited to take part in it. Absolutely. But um, no, it's, it's been good. It's been a good day.
0: Yeah, I'm sure your dad would have been very proud to see what uh, stardom your magnet is. Yeah, I, I think today. he would be, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Brilliant. Well, Chris, uh, it looks stunning today, uh, sat outside Kimber House on this beautiful sunny day in July. Yeah. And thank you for uh, letting me sit in the well. no, like no, it earlier as well. No problem. Thanks very
1: much. It's been <laughs> like, a great day.
0: Thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thank you.
0: Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at
1: mgpodcast.uk.